building, and I'm so happy about that. All right, well, let's get right into it. Romans chapter 8, let's read verse 9 to 18, and we're going to be talking about the massive, marvelous inheritance that God is waiting for you. All right, Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 9, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren or Christians, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out. And I love these two words, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Father, I pray now as we open up the precious word of God that you speak to our hearts tonight. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, it's been a long week for some. Uh, some are weary, they're tired, they're worn down, and uh, they need, a, uh, if you will, a shot in the arm uh, this evening to uh, get back in gear and get ready for the week to come. So, Father, I pray that you'd excite us about the wonderful things that you have for us as your children. I pray that we be excited, we be motivated, that we be encouraged, and, Father, that we walk out of here tonight. It might not be the same way we walked in. So, Father, we ask that the Holy Spirit would do what only he can do, revive the saved and save the lost. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, a couple of thoughts for us as we get started. And uh, this may seem as a simple question to some, but to others it's actually a very difficult one. And the question is this, do you know who your parents are? I mean, literally speaking, do you know who mom and dad are? And uh, the majority of folks in here will say, well, of course, I, I know my mom, I know my dad. But there are those that uh, may not know who their dad is. There's some uh, that may not know their mom, either through adoption or foster care or other things. And uh, it's important, if you will, to understand who is mom and dad. Who's your parents? And uh, uh, when we look at this from a spiritual standpoint and see who are, if you will, the children of God, who really belongs to him, and then what does God have waiting for them? So the question, of course, and most of you can easily answer this, but maybe some can't. Are you a true child of God? Do you truly belong to Jesus? I've been listening to uh, testimonies of folks joining the church. We'll have a bunch more joining uh, in two weeks after harvest and more joining after that. So a lot of people giving testimonies uh, uh, about how they came to Christ. And it's always interesting to listen to when is that point in time when all of a sudden somebody realized, hey, I'm a child of the king. 
And uh, I, I love to hear testimonies. It was a great morning uh, with the folks that shared. And uh, folks, isn't it great? I mean, when you hear people and you hear about changed lives, it's just a marvelous thing. What does God promise to give to his children? All right, so uh, all of us as, as children, if you uh, are aware of your parents, which most of you are, and there's always this thing that we, at least I always hated to think about, and uh, have co- this uh, issue has come and gone for me, but when mom and dad pass away, is there an inheritance? And uh, it's something I always, when I talked with my uh, my mom passed away about 15 plus years ago. My dad passed away a little over two years ago. And it was one thing I, I never would talk with him about. It's like, it's something, it's, it's like, you know what it means when you get an inheritance? It means daddy's gone or mama's gone. And those things, it's like, which would you rather have, a few dollars in the bank or have mom and dad around? Well, I opted I like mom and dad around a whole lot more than a few dollars in the bank. Uh, But you think about it, and all of a sudden, mom and dad uh, are are gone, and there's uh, many times, for most folks, there's at least a a little inheritance. Sometimes uh, others are blessed with a great deal. So when we think about that, why does God use these human terms, as he always does? God always speaks to us in terms me and you can understand. So he's talking about the family. He's talking about the father. He's talking about the inheritance. He's talking about who are my children, and it's all in language that anyone can simply understand. So what we're going to do tonight is examine four guaranteed benefits for God's children. So first, uh, let's go to Romans chapter 8, verse 9, and look at the Holy Spirit will indwell, has indwelt all believers. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. In order, and I'll just, I'm going to relate this to folks that have recently joined the church. There's two things that anyone that decides they want to, if you will, join in membership that they have to do in order to become part of the church. That is the local church. They're already part of the body of Christ if they've trusted Christ, but to become part of the local church, two things. One, they have to be a Christian, a true believer in Jesus Christ. And the other thing is we practice believers' baptism as a sign, uh, like we did this morning, of people who have that inward conversion that they're willing to show outwardly when they share their testimony when we do believers' baptism. But here's the thing. You cannot be a Christian if the Spirit of God doesn't dwell in you. That's exactly what he's saying here. If you're still in the flesh and not in the Spirit, uh, you can't be one of his. Let's go back to this familiar verse. We're going to go through some of the things the Holy Spirit does uh, this evening and bring all these pieces that we've talked to over several weeks, try and put them together so this makes sense. The Bible says, For by one Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, we were all, now here's that word again, And we've talked about this multiple times. We were all what? Baptized into one body. You say, oh, so the folks that uh, were water baptized this morning were baptized in one body. No, that's not what we're saying at all. In fact, uh, the folks that were baptized this morning, this passage has nothing to do with that. Baptism, as we've uh, uh, said, and I like to review this because it's so important, because how many people across the world, across our country, right here in uh, various churches in Union Grove, 
believe that they're going to heaven because they were baptized. A lot. I've gone to funerals in denominational churches, and the uh, priest or the pastor will stand up, and uh, he'll be doing the eulogy of the person that passed away. I've seen it done at some of my relatives' funerals. And the person will say, well, uh, this individual was baptized into the kingdom of God on, and he'll give a date when he was baptized. I want to stand up and say, heretic, he was not saved by being baptized. No one goes to heaven because they were sprinkled, poured on, or immersed. Not a single person's ever gone to heaven because they've been baptized. And, and, and what God is saying here, there is a baptism that you must be part of in order to go to heaven. You say, well, what's that? Read it again. For by one spirit we were all, what is the word baptized? And most of you that have been around the Union Grove for a while know what it means. What, is, what does the word baptized mean? Placed into, completely immersed, completely uh, encapsulated, if you will. It doesn't have to. Water is, has nothing to do with this. It's when you're being placed completely into, into Christ. It's being placed into. For by one spirit we were all placed into, would be a, also a, a legitimate translation, into one body, speaking of the body of Christ, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink in one spirit. So what is God saying? He doesn't care what your background is, doesn't care how much money you have, doesn't care if you're a business person or back in the day if you were a slave, doesn't care what your ethnicity is. God said every single person, any person that will put their faith and trust in Christ, they belong to him, the body of Christ. On the way in tonight, maybe some of you uh, listened to it, I had VCY on. Oh, by the way, Jim Schneider will be here uh, next Sunday morning. He'll do a little presentation about VCY before Jimmy preaches. Uh, I always love to have VCY here. And uh, I was listening to Unshackled on the way in. How many of you ever listened to Unshackled? All right, most of us. Uh, great program, and I, and I absolutely love it. And uh, it was talking about a particular uh, a drug addict, which many times they have uh, either uh, folks that were totally engaged in the substance of use of one kind or another, whether alcohol or uh, drugs and so forth. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, they usually get in trouble. They usually end up in jail. They may even uh, uh, have been in a situation where their life was on the line, and all of a sudden something happens. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes knocking on their door. Someone shares the gospel with them or gives them a Bible or they uh, hear a preacher in jail or somebody that, uh, from a church that comes and visits them. And the next thing you know, uh, they've hit bottom and then there's nowhere to go and they have no hope and there's no future and they're sitting in a jail cell, uh, tears flowing down their eyes, uh, trying not to get uh, looked at when they're in a vulnerable position. And all of a sudden God sends send somebody to their cell or send somebody to their day room and they share Jesus with them and uh, they're transformed and God gives them a new, brand new life and then they go on unshackled and, and they tell the story. And, and no longer are they bound by drugs, no longer are they bound by alcohol or other things and their life has changed. Now that's great, isn't it? Isn't it? I think it's great. Did you see what I did this morning, those of you that were here? Two young people that got baptized this morning both teens. Neither one has ever been in serious trouble, have you? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> no. 
I love Olivia and uh, Ryan, good, good young people. And their testimony, it's not about drugs. It's not about alcohol. It's not about prostitution. It's not about ending up on skid row. It's about mom and dad raised us right, took us to church, loved on us. Oh, yeah, I know I'm a sinner. I've done some things I wish I wouldn't have done, but they never went into deep sin. And we're like, many times, and I use the word, they, the folks that come, and they're like, my testimony is boring. And I'm like, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord that God preserved you from having the flamboyant, if you will, testimony. God's preserved you. And that's, that's so good. Folks, uh, uh, why do we have Awana? By the way, you know probably the number one place where young people get, where anybody, if we took the whole church as a whole, took all the people that come here, and, and what is the most effective evangelistic tool we have, I think uh, most of us would agree it's Awana. Why? Because the, the heart is open. The young people are searching. They hear the gospel, and they still haven't gotten their hearts so hardened that, that, that they're, I mean, you've got to take a jackhammer to get through some adults' hearts before they'll come to Christ. I was talking to someone recently, and he was like, my, my, my boy, uh, he's an adult, but his heart is hardened, and the rest of the family has come to Christ, but his heart is hardened. It's like the, heart, the older you get, the, I mean, it just gets rough. Now, let me say this. I love when God takes some big old bad biker or some big old bad boy that's been hanging out in the bars, and all of a sudden God smacks him over the head with a, with a bottle of Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, that big old boy and, and his heart melts, and then the next thing you know, he's on his knees with tears running down his face coming to Jesus. I love that. I love it. But I love when a, a little eight-year-old child is, walks into Oana and they, the teacher or the leader saying the gospel to them, and all of a sudden uh, their face and, and their heart, and it's like, I need Jesus. And they'll go home, and maybe they'll talk to, and, and it's happened to many of you, the children come home, and they're like, Mom, Dad, uh, uh, I, I want to go to heaven when I die. And you share the gospel with them. Many of you as parents have done that, and, and it's just a thrill. But God says, listen, to be uh, uh, if the Spirit dwells in you, it happens the moment that you are placed into the body. doesn't matter who you are, Jew, Greek, slave, free. Uh, you've all been made to drink with one spirit we've gone through this verse the next section first corinthians three sixteen. do you not know christian your body is the temple of the holy spirit i go outside on occasion i've shared this once or twice and i tend to do this when i'm when i want to talk to the lord i do this i look up that's not a bad thing to do but you know one time it just dawned on me it's like okay you know i want to speak to the father through christ and so forth but it's like Hey, he's in there. You know, it's like God, God, God. By the way, is God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, do they have anything in common? They're all God. They're all the same but different. We can't figure that out mentally. It doesn't work for us as human beings. But God, the Trinity, God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all three are distinct personalities, yet all three are the same. Now, you figure that out. Uh, and you'll know a whole lot more than I do. 
uh, but it's 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 just God is beyond our comprehension. He's he's amazing. He's awesome. And uh, uh, that Bible says that uh, when you were baptized or placed into the Holy Spirit, what happened? He says your body is now the temple of the Lord. Boy, does does that get our attention? Teenagers, young people, young adults, even seniors. And uh, it's like, whoa, that's right. He lives in there, doesn't he? You know, every time you do wrong, you know why you feel bad? Because Holy Spirit's in there knocking on the heart, saying, uh, you don't be doing that. You ever been there? You ever conscience ever get pricked? And all of a sudden, you're, oh, boy. I mean, it, it really is like, it's like having your dad walk into the room and realizing that he's been standing there watching you do something wrong and you got away with it so you thought until you turn and get startled when your dad's looking at you. That's what, God, he's always there. You can't get away from him. You can try to block him out. You can try and screen him out. But the Holy Spirit is always there. Know you not, Christian, that you are the temple of God, the Spirit dwells in you. The companion verse three chapters later, or do you not know, Christian, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. Wow. Uh, everything we do, every place we go, every time we make a decision, God says you're not your own. You don't, you don't belong to the world anymore. You don't belong to the flesh. You belong to me. And it's convicting. And it's like, well, man, I want to have some fun. And do you know Christians can have fun? You can. Uh, not the same kind of fun that maybe you had before you got saved, but you can still have fun. I mean, it, it, we were uh, at a campfire a couple or a week or two ago, I forget times, and people just sitting around having fun, talking, roasting. I mean, they're eating. What's more fun than that? You know? <laughs> Having a good time, fellowship, and talking. Uh, next Sunday, we'll have we'll have the service, and then we'll go down and have some fun. You say, well, what's that? People will be, I mean, it'll be noisy down there. There'll be 250, 300 folks down there making all sorts of rackets. You won't be able to hear down the table. And you know what? That's that's good. I want there to be a lot of, a lot of noise. I want there to be a lot of racket. Why? Because it's God's people getting together, and they're enjoying each other. And folks, by the way, I hate going here. How many of you watch the football game? How many of you watch the Packers today? Come on, be honest. <laughs> All right, most hands went up. Mine's up. Uh, I watched, uh, and they did win today. So if you uh, were wondering, not that I really, I do care a little bit, that much. So what happens when the football team goes into the locker room? Do they go, every guy goes to his own locker, they all put their face because they don't want to see the other guy. The coach goes to his office so we don't have to listen to him and we don't want to see him anyway. And they all go to their little spots and nobody talks to each other, nobody gets lifted up, nobody gets encouraged, nobody gets told uh, anything different. Is that how a team works? Absolutely not. If a team did work that way, they're going to be in the loser column every time because teams work together they fellowship they're in harmony they learn how each other work and how they act and how they're going to work together on the field and this is no different in a church we need each other folks and god says no you're not that you are the 
temple of the Holy Spirit. Every single one of us is part of the body of Christ. And by the way, every single one of you in this room right now, if you've trusted Christ, everyone watching, if you are a true born-again believer, you can do something I can't. Did you catch that? You can do something I can't. You're like, well, what's that? Every single one of us has various spiritual gifts. Some of you are administrators. Some of you are mercy showers. Some of you have a, a wonderful evangelistic uh, a, a gift and can uh, uh, constantly tell the gospel to folks and they'll hear it. Some of you are great teachers. Some of you are great servants, all spiritual gifts. Some of you are tremendous mercy showers. When somebody's hurting, the first thing you do is you get on the phone and you, you call them and you cry with them and you weep with them and you pray with them. And, and all these gifts are necessary. My gift is the one that uh, y'all get to see. But every single one of your gifts are what makes Union Grove Baptist Church work. My gift is not the only gift in the church. It just happens to be the public one that you see more often. But folks, you can't run a church without servants. Can't do it. Uh, you can't have a, a, a fellowship time on Sunday morning without a Bev Bowes. Can't do it. Or a Martha Lash. Uh, we can't uh, uh, have technology without the uh, uh, the work of uh, those that sit back and uh, instead of sitting down here, they're always in the back watching the sound, watching the videos, doing those type of things. Uh, you can't have children learning if somebody doesn't uh, have the uh, ability to teach the young people. Every single person's important. Every single thing that you do is what makes Union Grove Baptist Church a church. If I'm the only one that showed up and I sat here preaching to myself, it wouldn't be much of a church. <laughs> be pretty bad people make up the church people that are part of the body of Christ John chapter 16 then says uh, when Jesus before uh, right before he was going to be crucified he made these statements and when he uh, the Holy Spirit has come he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they do not believe in me of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more of judgment because the world we're ruler of this world is judge what is he saying he's like the Holy Spirit has a massive work that he's doing in the current age not a single one of us starting with me would have ever made a decision to trust in Jesus Christ if the Holy Spirit hadn't knocked on my door that's the Holy Spirit's work we get confused sometimes, especially in some of our uh, fundamentalist churches. And on occasion, and I, I grew up in this for a while, and the pastor will put the entire onus of somebody getting saved on the people. Well, uh, if you're right with God and you share the gospel, people get saved. That's not necessarily true because it's not about the person sharing the Word of God, it's about what the Holy Spirit's doing in the heart. Now, should you be right with God when you share the gospel? Have no problem with that. Sure you should. Should you have a heart for souls and pray for souls and do what you can and try to live right so that God can use you in the best way possible? Of course. But by the way, there's not one single person on this earth, not a one who ever won somebody to Jesus Christ and made him become a Christian. Not a one. You see, every single person that comes to Jesus Christ, uh, we plant as Christians. We water, the Apostle Paul tells us. But who brings forth the increase? Only God and God alone. He does the work in our hearts and, uh, and changes us so that we can 
uh, be conformed one day to his image. And, and John says, listen, uh, uh, Jesus told me when, when we were sitting right before he was going to be arrested and crucified, he said, listen, uh, uh, there's somebody coming. He's like, I have to go away that the next, if you will, person of the Trinity can come and work in your lives, and that's the Holy Spirit. Folks, isn't that good? Every single person here, you've trusted Jesus. You put your faith in him when you've done that, and if you've not, you'll get an opportunity to do it tonight. But uh, the moment you trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit came to live within you, and all of a sudden your life began to change. There's a, a little song, oh, don't make me sing. You're forcing me, and I'll try not to. There's been a great change since I've been born. You ever hear that one? There's been a great change since I've been born. There's been a great change. The kids know it. Since I've been born, there's been a great change since I've been born. There's been a great change since I've been born again. And then we go through the things I used to do. I don't do them anymore and all those type of things. Why? Because when the Holy Spirit comes in, he changes you. Gives you new life, and that's exactly what he's saying. That's what the Holy Spirit would do. Titus 1.9 says, Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convict those who contradict. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He teaches us his word. He, he convicts us. He shows us if we're going in the right direction, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. Ephesians 4.30, here's, here's one. What else does the Holy Spirit do? Well, he convicts us. He works in us. He, he tries to conform us to be part of the body of Christ in a good and proper way, if you will. But here's a love, wonderful one. The Bible says, listen, Christian, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were what? Sealed. I love this verse. Love to talk about it, and I've done it many times. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You're sealed. What does that mean? There's folks that say, you know, I don't believe in this eternal security thing. I know if somebody, if I do something wrong, God's going to take my salvation from me. And I'm like, well, not if you've truly been born again, you've truly been uh, trusted Christ. Well, folks, once the Holy Spirit comes within, he doesn't vacate during the church age. Back in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not indwell permanently. We think about the King David, and uh, he went into sin, and the Holy Spirit had empowered him. And what did the David pray? Old Testament, now before Christ, what did he pray? Oh, God, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. Don't take your spirit from me. And, and back before Jesus came, the Holy Spirit would come and go on people, and that's very true. But since uh, the death, burial, resurrection, ascension of Christ, when you trust Christ, he comes on in and he ends up leaving. Somebody quoted John 10 this morning. Uh, uh, my, my father, he's got, he got a grip. And, and when he puts his hand on you, John 10, he doesn't let go. He's got you. Folks, it, don't, don't ever doubt God, what God says he means. When God told you, if you truly put your faith and trust in Christ, right here he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were what? You are sealed. You can't get out of it. This is which it's a legal document, if you will, back in the Old Testament and New Testament times, and even today. Uh, um, we've got some folks here that are law enforcement, some in the court systems. And uh, uh, when I was a cop, and uh, up until a few years ago, if you got evidence, you know how you sealed it? Back in the day, we literally, you get a plastic bag out, you put the contents in there, 
You'd mark it down and write on the bag what it is. You'd seal the bag, you'd roll it over, and you know how you do the final seal? We literally would get a lighter out with red uh, uh, wax, and we would seal the opening shut with the red wax and put our thumbprint on it with our fingerprint. Sealed! Anybody else that break, can't break that, but God's seal is unbreakable. When he puts his thumb down, it ain't opening again. And, and uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. In other words, uh, you're sealed by God. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve him. Don't do those things that you know, if you will, are sinful and wrong. The Holy Spirit does not indwell non-believers. Romans 8, 9. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, you're not his. You say, well, how do I know if I have the Spirit of Christ living in me? Well, it's not too hard. Was there a day and time when you understood that you were a sinner? Just a simple gospel message. Did you understood you were a sinner? Say, yeah, I knew that. Uh, did you understand that because you sinned, if you got what you deserve, you pay forever uh, in an awful place called the lake of fire or hell? Did you understand that? Yes, I did. Was there a time when uh, you understood not only that you're a sinner, but that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on the cross for your sins, was buried three days later, rose from the dead? Do you understand that? Was there a time when you, do you believe that? Well, absolutely. <laughs> Every Sunday, what's the verses? Two most powerful verses when it comes to God's grace, when it comes to salvation, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Uh, folks quoted in membership class. I love it. Everybody here knows it. The children know it. Everybody knows these verses. Why? Because they are gold. For uh, 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 what's Ephesians uh, 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace, God's free and merited gift are we saved through what? Through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. And at the moment, all of a sudden, you accepted that free gift one day. What happened? First Corinthians 12, 13 is what happened. Uh, Jesus Christ said, uh, uh, you're all baptized into one body by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to dwell within. And you say, well, how do, how do I know I did that? Well, did you mean it when you trusted Christ? Yes. Uh, did, did you feel a change when uh, did you start to get convicted when you do wrong? Yes. Uh, but I still do wrong. And I said, well, welcome to the human race. We all do wrong. You say, well, you're a pastor. You Pastors don't do wrong. You go talk to my wife, she'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, wish we, we wish we all were perfect. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do wrong. But if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, if that conviction of the Holy Spirit isn't within you, God says you don't belong to him. But if you've trusted Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. Uh, how about the guarantee of life by the indwelling Holy Spirit? The guarantee of spiritual death, first of all, for non-believers. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Now, if, if Christ is in you, what's the opposite? If the Lord Jesus is not part of your life, you're spiritually dead. But God gives the opposite here. If you're in Christ, what should be dead? The old lifestyle, the old body, the old way of doing business. What else uh, do we learn about, uh, uh, if you will, spiritual death? Now, I, 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 these are great verses. And I know we only got a few note takers here, but boy, this stuff's, this stuff's gold. When we're talking about spiritual death, it's mentioned four times in the book of Revelation. Revelation 2, 11, 26, and 14. 
20 verse 6 and verse 14 and 21 8 which we quote a lot but I want to go to Revelation 20 for a moment about uh, those that do not have the Holy Spirit then death this is by the way Revelation 20 where is that in the prophetic calendar the rapture has come the seven-year tribulation has come the millennium has come and gone it ended in chapter 20 verse 10 now we're looking at eternity future What's going to happen for eternity future? This is when, I mean, mankind's done. It's over. Now we're at the final judgment. And at the final judgment, here's what the Apostle John states. Then death and Hades were cast into the what? The lake of fire. By the way, Hades, and it depends if you have a King James Version or some others, it may use the word hell. What is Hades talking about? It's basically, uh, uh, that's not hell at this point. It is the place literally, and, and that, that word uh, Hades is a little more appropriate. It's talking basically about the place where the unsaved are kept until this final judgment. By the way, it's not a pleasant place. If you remember from Luke 16 about Lazarus and, and uh, uh, the rich man, and Lazarus was a poor beggar, and uh, he died, but he'd been a believer in the Lord. And he goes, if you will, to the uh, positive side, paradise of what was called Abraham's bosom. What happened to the rich guy with all the money that could care less about God? He lifted up his eyes where? In hell, in Hades. And there he is suffering, suffering, and suffering. He had everything in the world there was to have, but now he's looking up in utter suffering, and he says, oh, God, please, would you send that beggar Lazarus with a little drop of water on his finger so that he can cool my tongue? It's not a parable. It's a true story, a true account. And the rich man is suffering at that time in hellfire, if you will. But that wasn't the final judgment. That wasn't the final peace. Revelation 20 is death and Hades, if you will, uh, uh, the, uh, the opposite side of Abraham's bosom back in Luke 16. Uh, what was it done? It was cast into the lake of fire. What is it? It's the second death. And that's four times that phrase is used in the Bible. What is the second death? It's when uh, any person without the Lord Jesus Christ, any person without the indwelling Holy Spirit is finally cast for eternity into a place called the lake of fire. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So your question may be, is my name written in the book of life? And we go right back to the same thing, the gospel. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Did you realize you were a sinner? Did you understand that Jesus Christ died for you? Did you accept his free gift of eternal life by trusting in Jesus? Well, yes, I have. Then guess where your names are written? I won't sing this one. You ever hear the song, there's a new name written down in glory? And it's whose? Mine. Good old-fashioned gospel hymn. There's a new name written down in glory, and it's mine. Why? Because at that point in time when you trusted Christ, there's a new name written down in glory, and it's yours. What else does the Bible say? Uh, the guarantee of life by the indwelling Holy Spirit, the guarantee of spiritual life for believers in Christ. What does Romans say? But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead... Here it comes. What's he going to do? He's going to give life to your mortal bodies 
through his spirit who dwells in you. I want to point this out. What does he do? He gives life to what bodies? Mortal. Are you immortal or mortal today? You're mortal. Unless there's a visiting angel here, <laughs> you're mortals. What happens to mortal people? You know, eventually die. Barring the rapture doesn't happen in our, in our generation, which, of course, we're looking forward to. That's the great hope. But outside of the rapture happening in our generation, we are going to die. I'm going to die. I don't want to die. You say, well, Brother Rich, why don't you want to die? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And uh, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung used to share this. And I've told this a couple times. And he's like, you know, he's like, I'm looking forward to heaven, but I'm not looking forward in the way that I get there. What was he saying? None of us have gone through the death process, have we? And we look at that, and it gets, ah, oh, man, what's going to happen? I mean, outside of the what I believe are fantasy books about people that have died, gone to heaven, and come back, you say, well, Brother Rich, you shouldn't judge like that. Okay, well, you don't do it, but I will. Okay, sorry. Uh, none of us have been to heaven yet. There's only one account of one individual that went to heaven in the Scriptures, and it's from whom? Here's the Apostle Paul, and he says, listen, he says, I, I was taken up to the third heaven, and I saw it, and he was like, woo, wow. I'm not going to tell you what it was. Why didn't the Apostle Paul say, hey, uh, uh, here's what's up there. I, I'll tell you everything. I saw it. And God says, hush. You know, sometimes if we knew something is that good, what do you want to do? I want to get there today. And God says, you're not coming here today. you got work to do down there. You stay down there, do the work that God's called you to do. I'll let you see it when the time is right. You stay down and get busy. And that's exactly what it is. Uh, but he says, listen, uh, the Holy Spirit comes in and, and he gives life. What now? That means today he's giving life to our mortal bodies. This isn't future tense here. That's today. We have mortal bodies. Once we're in heaven, what kind of bodies will we have? Immortal. Never change. We're filled. I mean, it's, it's eternity. And God says, listen, I won't give life to you today. You got life? You got life today? Ah, oh, man, Brother Rich, it's tough. It's hard. And go through all these terrible things. And my life's a wreck. And my family's a wreck. And my job's a wreck. And it's tough. And a lot of people live there. And it's tough. And, and, and God's saying, listen, I want to give life to you today. I want to give you peace. I want to give you joy. I want to give you the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, all these different things. He says, listen, they're right here today. You're like, I don't feel like it's here today. Well, you know what? Let me give you a little encouragement to walk with God. What do you mean walk with God? I mean, when you wake up, uh, have a chat with Him. When, uh, before you go to bed, well, let's see, where am I at today? Read a few chapters, hear what the Lord has to say to me. And I want to pray, and I'm going to ask the Lord to help my mind to give me a good sleep, and then I'm going to ask Him to walk, walk me through the next day, whether it's at school or work or home. 
and our dear Shuddens that might be watching tonight and you wake up and it's like, I'm all alone. Well, it may feel like you're all alone and uh, uh, I trust that some of our folks will, will, will get you cards and letters and a visit every now and then, but uh, when you wake up and you feel alone, if you're a shut-in or if you're somebody who's here tonight and nobody's there when you wake up and God says, listen, I, I'm here, I'm waiting for you. Would you talk to me? Would you spend some time with me? And uh, I want to give you life. I want to give you happiness. I want to give you joy. I want you to, I want to help you get through uh, this next week, but you got to spend some time with me. You know, our parents could never help us if we didn't come to them and talk to them. Our friends can't help us if we don't talk to them. The boss can't help you or the teacher can't help you if you don't talk to them. And God says, I'm no different. And he puts it in human terms and he's like, I'm just, I'm waiting here. And I've been sitting, and I've been waiting, and I've been waiting and waiting. Honey, would you just come talk to me? Spend some time with me. And God says, I'll be there, and I'll give life to that mortal body. What else does he say? 1 Corinthians 15 uh, talks about the, the resurrection then, uh, the great inheritance. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption and is raised in, <laughs> in corruption. Uh, folks, uh, we're more aware than ever about how frail our bodies are. It's on the news every single day. You can't escape it. If you turn a radio or a TV or the Internet on, something's going to come up about who died this week, who, who's sick, how many people got uh, COVID, all these different things. And, and I'm not diminishing that because uh, it, it is there. It's a fact that's there. And all these horrible things are taking place, and we're reminded on it. Folks, I, I want to be honest. Can I be honest? When I get up and I start to read these things and look at these things, my mind, like yours, is being bombarded with the negative. And it's like death after person who's dying after all these things. And it gets in our head and it pulls us down. Now, there's folks sitting in here right now that recently lost loved ones. And they need comfort. And they need love. And they need to know we care about them. And sometimes our minds get so caught up with, well, what if? And all these horrible things that happen, and now there's many folks that have just gone through it. Jimmy DeYoung will be here next week. His boss, his daddy, just died a few weeks ago. He almost died of COVID himself about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. He was a jaw. I mean, he was he was he was at death's door, literally. He's been there, and you say, "Well, we're looking forward to him coming and preaching." You know what I think he's looking forward to? Y'all making him feel like life's worth living. Because you see, <laughs> try not to lose it here. May nineteenth. 2019 I get a call from the place where my father was and uh, earlier that day he was fine had just visited him and they said uh, you need to come quick come very quick so I got in my car I was preaching that night in Sheboygan I was in Franklin I zipped over to uh, where he was in Milwaukee 
And by the time I got there, they're like, we're so sorry that we didn't get you in time, call you in time, but he, he, just, he just passed away. And as I drove up to Sheboygan and I had on a Christian radio and the song came on about uh, heaven just got sweeter. I'm like, it's not so sweet right now, but uh, I understand that. And it is sweet because I know my dad went to, went to heaven. And others of you, and, and the, the pain's there, and I, I got up to preach, and I lost it for a few moments and got it back because it does hurt. It, it's painful when you lose somebody you love. Even if you know beyond a shadow of a doubt they've gone to heaven, it's a wonderful thing. All of a sudden, the sadness can overtake you for a bit. But we sorrow not as others who have no hope. In the great rapture passage, First Thessalonians 4, we don't sorrow as others who have no hope. What are we looking for? We're looking for Jesus to come in the air, to take us home, to be reunited, if you will, with our loved ones that have trusted Christ and to be with Jesus for eternity. What an inheritance we have. 1 Corinthians 15, 42, as, uh, 48, as was the man of dust. Speaking of Adam, so also are those who are made of dust, and, in, and as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. That's a great inheritance that you have waiting for you. Get rid of this old dusty old body, all the frailties it has, and be given a body that will last for eternity. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood, this old body cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does in, uh, corruption inherit incorruption. Folks, this body is going to change. It's going to be completely transformed, and God has an inheritance waiting for you. How about the debt to forsake the flesh quickly? Therefore, brethren, Christian, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. What is he saying? Every single one of us who's placed our faith and trust in Christ, we're a debtor. You say, well, who's, who's my debt to? Well, first... First of all, it's to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. It's to God the Father, the Holy Spirit. We're debtors. And then we are, uh, uh, because of what he's done for us, are we debtors to other people? May I suggest that we are. May I suggest to every single person that you come in contact with this week that we're a debtor to tell them the gospel, to show them love, to speak the truth in love, because you know what? They're not going to hear it from anyone else. We're debtors. And God says, uh, uh, if we're debtors, uh, we need to be uh, honorable and pay the debt uh, uh, the best we can while we sojourn here on the earth. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, what? You're going to live. Folks, what a wonderful, wonderful promise. Well, let's hasten as we come to the close. The guarantee of a massive inheritance. The determination of the children of God. Let's take a look at it. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are what? The sons of God. Now, I want you to think about this. And remember, it's, the Bible always speaks out in masculine terms. So if you're a, you're a lady here uh, tonight, we're talking about maybe a better uh, comprehension of this. Will be It's the talking about God's children. And he's saying, listen, if, if you're led by the Holy Spirit, if you've trusted in him, you are led by him. And you're what? You're a child of the king. You're a child of God. Now, if you're his child, now he wants you to understand in this last few verses, he wants you to understand what he's got waiting for you. 
For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out. Would you say it with me? Abba, Father. I've told the story. Most of you have heard it. I never, I, I've been reading commentaries, and of course commentaries, you got 60, you got 50 commentaries, you got 75 different opinions. And uh, uh, I'm reading that and trying to figure out what actually did Abba mean? And, and, and as I've told the little story, I go to uh, um, Israel. I'm in the big plaza in front of uh, uh, the Wailing Wall. And all of a sudden, I hear a little Jewish boy. And he's saying, Abba, Abba. He was in a, in a little stroller. Abba! And the Jewish daddy, Orthodox uh, Jewish man, uh, only spoke Hebrew, and he looks down at his little boy and uh, starts to talk to him. And I mean, I, I just about lost it right there. I'm like, well, that's what Abba means. How's he addressed? Daddy. Hey, 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 Daddy. Uh, uh, Daddy, I need some help here. And, and Dad looks down and he says, okay, son, what, what do you need, my buddy? And, and, and Abba, Father, Abba, Abba, I need some help. I need you to be with me. Uh, it, and I, I, I'm a big guy, but I like being a little boy at times. <laughs> And I like to have a Heavenly Father who says, uh, uh, you know, Rich, uh, 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 you have responsibilities and things that you care for, just like the rest of you folks. And it's nice to know sometimes that you just, I, I, and I like to do it, I just reach my hand up and say, uh, uh, Father, I need your help today. Would you walk me through it? And, and the Bible says uh, we cry out uh, as the spirit of adoption. We've been adopted by, by God, and we call him, if you will, our, uh, the Abba. It's an affectionate term that basically means with all respect my dear loving father i love you i need your help that's what it means the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of god folks don't ever doubt if you're a child of the king when you trusted jesus christ as your personal savior and he came to dwell uh, the holy spirit came to dwell inside of you you became his child never to be taken away you belong to the king as a child. Finally, the de declaration of your inheritance. If you've trusted Christ, here's what God has for you. And if we are children, then what? Heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. What's he saying? He's like every single thing that God talks about. And folks, you're like, well, why do you like the prophetic scriptures? Well, I like hearing about heaven. I like hearing about the new Jerusalem. I like hearing about the streets of gold. I like hearing about the mansions that God's prepared for us. I like hearing about the river uh, of life. I like hearing about the, uh, the book of life. I like hearing about all the wonderful things uh, that God told us will be coming in the future. He didn't give us all the things. He kept a lot secret. But folks, he said enough that you've got a great inheritance waiting, and it's coming. Folks, uh, uh, while you sojourn down here on this earth, you give it your all. You live for God. You give 100%. Why? Because the inheritance is waiting. He already died. The price has been paid. Now you need to die or be raptured so you can uh, uh, obtain that final inheritance. Colossians 1, finally, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, 
giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. What is he saying? When you put your faith and trust in Christ, he said, you're my child, and you have an inheritance waiting for you, and it's beyond your wildest imaginations. Some of you say, you know, my, uh, my mom or my dad or my grandparents, they passed away. They didn't leave me a single thing, uh, uh, maybe a, a little memento or a little thing, and, and it's like it was nothing, and, and, and there's no literal inheritance, and God says, listen, by the way, we don't serve God to get the inheritance, but it's certainly the benefit that he's going to give to you. Folks, every single one of you, if you think uh, uh, you want to be a millionaire on this earth, God says, that's nothing compared to what I got for you. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I got a heaven that's going to knock your socks off. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. It's beautiful. Not to mention you'll be able to spend eternity with the Lord himself. I got an inheritance waiting for you. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. What's the final thing? Many of you that are, have been around uh, a few years, you remember like S&H green stamps and all that thing, and uh, 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 you go to the store, and you young folks, you never went through this. you got different ways of getting bonuses. Uh, but we collect uh, uh, stamps, and you put them in this stamp book, and then you go to a redemption center uh, to get the items uh, uh, at the redemption center. So you fill up this book of stamps, you take it to the, and you start to look, and it's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I'd like that, and I'd like that. And, and, and you're like, well, how are you going to pay for it? And you pop open these, these books with all these stamps you collected at the stores, and you hand them the book, and you redeem the stamps for whatever you saw uh, that fit within the, in that. And you redeem those stamps. And God says, listen, you've been redeemed. I, 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 paid, I paid the price. I, my blood was shed for you. I, I gave my life for you. And you've been redeemed, just like that book. And he says, here's what I got for you. Shh. I'm not going to tell you it all today. Oh, when you walk into the showroom, whoo, is it going to be something? And that's what he's saying. Romans 8, 18, finally, for I consider that the suffering of this present time, catch the words, I consider that the sufferings of today are not worthy to be compared with the glory of which shall be revealed in us. You say, man, Brother Rich, ah, life is hard. It's tough. I'm going through some tough times right now. And God says, listen, you're, I get it. You suffer down here. I get it. You got an old body that's falling apart. I get it. Sometimes you get into debt, and you, you got all these things that are, 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 are ah, they're burdens to you. <laughs> He's like, hey, guess what? moment you die or the rapture happens he says those sufferings of the present age they are nothing compared to what I have waiting for you folks can you live on, on the top side can, can you live on the side that says okay uh, maybe some suffering right now maybe some trials right now uh, but, but it's coming it's coming when the Lord Jesus is going to come and take me home to be with him forever in the most massive glorious inheritance you could ever imagine. How are you going to live this week? 
We can suffer. We can stay hurt. And sometimes pain is there. But can I remind you, those of you that truly are suffering, those of you that truly have been going through some very, very difficult times, can I encourage you a little bit tonight, please? <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you that despite the sufferings we go through on this earth, despite sometimes the loneliness, the heartaches, that it's coming. Whether it's by the rapture when Jesus comes to take us home or whether we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll open our eyes, as many of our loved ones had, and they're absent from the body and present with the Lord, with you. So, Father, help us to understand the great inheritance awaits us, but we can't obtain it until this life is finished. So, Father, would you please strengthen us? Would you encourage us as we go through the valleys, as we go through the mountaintops? Help us always to remember that there's a great inheritance awaiting, and we look forward to that day. Father, bless the folks here tonight. If you're uh, watching or here, have you placed your faith and trust in uh, uh, Jesus Christ? You know for sure if you died, you were to go to heaven. We've given the gospel multiple times. Do you realize you're a sinner, that you're lost because of your sin, but Jesus redeemed you, if you will, by shedding his blood on the cross, was buried, and three days later rose from the dead? Have you ever accepted his free gift of salvation, his free gift of eternal life? See, Brother Rich, I've, I've heard it maybe for the first time today, and I'm ready to trust Christ. I'm ready to make him my Savior and put my faith and trust in him. Well, you can do that right where you are. Would you just accept this free gift this very moment? For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of our works, lest any person should boast. Just tell them right now you're receiving the gift. I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I'm lost. I realize Jesus paid it all for me, and I'm taking him as my Savior this very moment. Finally, Christian, I want to challenge you tonight as we close. How you been walking? Man, it's been tough. I've been struggling with sin. I've got things that constantly in my head that I wish weren't there. I'm tempted to do things, and sometimes I succumb to the temptation. I do things that I know I shouldn't do, and I feel horrible about it. Well, the good thing is, if you feel horrible about it, it's a good chance that the Holy Spirit is in you and that you've trusted Him. Is it time to get right with God? You've heard the testimonies this morning. We hear them on Unshackled and other things about folks that just have been living a horrible, rotten lifestyle, and all of a sudden, like tonight, they said, listen, I'm, I'm giving that up. I'm, I want to live for God. I want to live for Him alone. I know what I've got coming uh, as an inheritance, and I'm a debtor, and I want to get rid of those things which have put me on the sidelines right now. Would you just give it over to the Lord? You know what it is. I don't need to know, but you know. Tell it to the Lord. Confess it right now. Get it out. Tell me you're, you're getting rid of it with his help. And then ask him to help you live for him. Would you do that tonight? Father, I pray that you do it only.